Holidays from How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. Today we have a special look back on what was bringing us hope throughout the year. We'll hear excerpts from some of our favorite guests, including Dan Pfeiffer, Dr. Shirley Weber, Santiago Mayer, Cornell Belcher, Senator Cortez Masto, Representative Adam Schiff, the amazing Heather Booth, and organizing icon and national hero Dolores Huerta. I'm Steve Pearson, and this is a special holiday edition of How We Win. Happy holidays, everybody. I am coming to you, if I sound a little different, from my ancestral home grounds of suburban Washington, D.C., where I am about to kick off the holidays with my family. And um, it's been a year, and I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners, uh, especially for the work that you do, of course, for listening to the show, but especially for the work that you've been doing all year long to fight fascism and fight for our democracy and to fight to protect our, our freedoms. Uh, you've done nothing short of remarkable work, and that's what has given me hope every single week when I do this podcast and and. Uh, when I do this work with you. So I wish the best for all of you through the holiday season. I hope you really have a, a chance to unwind, unplug a little bit, and enjoy some light and love with your family wherever that finds you. And uh, and so for today, uh, very little from me. I just want to play some excerpts from some of our favorite guests and interviews. I mean, there's so many. It was hard hard to make this not like a three-hour show. I wanted to make it a, a quick one. So um, we're going to start off with Dan Pfeiffer. You know him. You love him. He's one of the hosts of Pod Save America on Crooked Media. And he's got a great newsletter on uh, called Message Box. And he is really, truly one of the best voices, I think, for messaging and um, and talking about how we cure the problem of how uh, right-wing lies get amplified and, and the work that we can do to push back against them. He's got a bunch of great books out. Um, which would make great Christmas gifts as well or holiday gifts. So uh, let's hear what was giving Dan Pfeiffer hope. I mean, it's obviously people, right? It is that for all of the cynicism and doom that pervades politics is that there are millions and millions of people who have taken upon themselves, particularly since 2016, to step up and even under the toughest of circumstances, fight like hell to change their country in a better way. And they didn't wait for anyone from Washington to tell them what to do. They didn't, they didn't, they weren't asked to do it. They just did it. And they did it in 2020 under the most difficult circumstances possible, locked in their home, dealing with a massive recession, kids out of school, trying to figure out how you were going to keep your family safe and healthy and still found time to volunteer, phone bank, text bank, do everything they possibly could give $5 at a time in which they didn't know where their next paycheck was coming, to ensure that we sent a message about the dangers of MAGA extremism. And that, that like, we we have the ability to, we are in a fight for the future of this country, and we have the absolute best people fighting for it, and that's what gives me hope. The next guest that I wanted to hear from 
was uh, the great uh, our our California Secretary of State and uh, a real civil rights icon, organizing icon, Dr. Shirley Weber. Uh, she is so inspiring uh, to so many of us here in California and around the country. Um, she's been on the front lines fighting for civil rights, uh, and she is now serving as the first black woman secretary of state in the state of California, where she's doing an amazing job. And uh, anyone who's heard her speak loves to hear her speak because she's always inspiring. So without any further ado, let's hear what was giving Dr. Shirley Weber hope well you know it, it, it is um in these times as i tell folks it's always difficult to have hope because of the tremendous onslaught that occurs every day and even when you see evidence that is so clear about uh why people are raising issues and and why they want to purge roles i was on a call the other day people were talking about that to me in one of the more conservative media uh, outlets you know, and these are all things that have come into existence, uh, as you point out, because of the change of the, the diversity of the, of, the, of the population that's voting. Right. Be very, very honest about it. Um, what gives me hope every now and then is that there are others. There was a time in my life when I was the only one raising the issue. You know, mm -hmm. I'm standing in the streets uh, raising the issue with a, holding hands with a few other black folks. Um, I get hope in the fact that there's some other people who don't look like me who now raise the issue. And just as I get ready to stand up and say something, they said, Dr. Weber, you've already raised it so much and I, we know you're tired. Let us handle this for you. That there are, there's another generation of folks that are coming forward with it. My task and my hope lies in the fact that, that I have had thousands and thousands of students over the years who have heard what we've talked about, who studied the history of California and studied the history of this nation, and that they're now in charge, black, white, Asian, Latinos, whatever. I have so many students who are running for office, who are in California, who are across the nation. I just had one call me this morning, uh, uh, volunteering to help. Uh, so many students that I have I have touched and others have touched in trying to change the, the trajectory that despite what we see, there's still a cadre of them and, and a large population of them to join us old folks who have been on the fighting line for a long time to really bring change, uh, to really see what is happening and all the things that we see around us. Uh, what happened in Kansas is encouraging that people are really standing up for women's rights. Uh, you know, so every now and then when you think that this thing is going crazy, that uh, Ryan in New York somehow or another pulls it out yep. and and reminds us that our voice counts, that as I go from place to place, I get encouraged. And what keeps me from being discouraged is the fact that, um, you know, I'm just one of, of, of a few, and there, there, there are many, but also the fact that before me, those folks had it a whole lot harder. You know, if they had been saying the things that I'm saying and things that you're saying and we're saying together, we'd be hanging from some tree somewhere. You know, uh, our life would have been in peril. Uh, we'd be unemployed. We'd be in, uh, under attack. And we're under attack. But at least there is some, uh, some defense for us in terms of the issues that we raise. And I, and, and I think that is so very important for us never to forget all. It's the anniversary of, of equality for women, 
that women never forget that while we have feel comfortable now, we should not feel comfortable because those women fought hard to get women the right to vote. Uh, the Voting Rights Act in 1965 cost the life of a whole lot of people. Mm. And I think that's why it's so important when we talk about critical race theory and all these things, people need to understand that is a significant part of California's history. And so I continue to get energized when I think I'm going to lose my hope. I think about the folks on the on the Pettus Bridge in Selma who had no idea what was on the other side, yet they still took the bridge. And I think we have to continue to live in that legacy because that's the legacy of this nation. That is a that we are struggling for a more perfect union. We are not perfect, but we're all struggling together to make it better for each and every one of us. And so I get it. I get energized when I think about my ancestors, when I think about my dad, who almost was lynched in the South. And yet he continued to have hope and have his eight kids to come to California uh, in the most difficult times. And even after their efforts to attack him, my dad put all of us in a, a station wagon every four years and drove back to Arkansas that, so that they could see he was still alive mm. that <laughs> and that he was unafraid. And uh, and that motivates me because I have never had that level of attack on me that my father had on him, you know, and yet mm -hmm. he continues to stand and have hope for himself and his kids and never back down and never gave up. So we have uh, we have a lot to fight for in this country. And I think I look at this new battle as, as I told you to tell my students, what's going to be your moment? You know, what's going to be your civil rights movement? What's going to be your black power moment? What's going to be your student movement moment? This is their moment. You used to tell me all the stuff you do. If you were back there in the South, you wouldn't allow these people to do X, Y, Z and ABC. OK, now is your moment. What you going to do? And I ask them all the time, what you going to do? This is your moment. Uh, and you claim you'd be bolder and better and all those kind of things. I just ask you to do a few things like vote, raise the issue and pay attention. Okay, next up, anyone who looked at the results of the midterms knows that it was young people, the people that give us all hope every week, every day. Uh, it was young people, Gen Z, that really brought that election home for us. They showed up in major ways that should give everyone a lot of hope for the future. It certainly does for me. So one of the leaders of the Gen Z movement is Santiago Mayer, the executive director of Voters of Tomorrow. And I was just following his Twitter feed throughout the run up to the election because it just made me feel so much better every time I looked at one of his tweets and saw the you know, early numbers coming from young engagement and how many people they were texting and, and the engagement he was getting from his you know, huge team of Gen Z volunteers. So um, without any further ado, let's hear what gave Santiago Mayer hope. Uh, am I allowed to say two things? Yeah. Because they, they are. So the first one is the people who I work with every day, the Voters Tomorrow team, but at the national, state and local level, they are some of the most inspiring people that I have ever met and I probably will ever meet. I mean, some of them got involved when they were 10, 11 years old and have somehow continued to work. I mean, many of them are still like 13 and 14 years old. It's insane. It blows my mind. It makes me feel so old and I'm 20. Uh, but they, they're 
genuinely so committed to the mission of turning out young people and representing our generation that it is simply like all like all inspiring every time i talk to them i know that we're in good hands because if a 13 year old is already doing this work and talking the ways that they're the way that they're doing if they have the knowledge that they already have when they're 13 and 14 and 15 we're in very good hands when those people start taking office in just a few years so that's that's sort of the first group mm-hmm. the second group includes those people but is significantly larger and that's Gen Z as a whole. I mean, we saw them come out in 2018 when we were first eligible. We saw them come out again in 2020, and we're gonna see them come out again in 2022. And Gen Z has this it factor to it because we have grown up in very unique circumstances that have simply not teared down anyone's spirit. I mean, uh, I was born in 2001, just a few uh, months after September 11th. We, up until Biden ended the war in Afghanistan, we had lived through our entire life being at war. We have gone through economic recessions. I think we're number three now. Uh, We have lived through a global pandemic and hopefully not a second one, but who knows what monkeypox is going to be. We have grown up with our friends and peers, if not getting shot themselves, knowing someone who has Mm. been shot. Mm. And all of us have had gun violence scares at some point in our lives. And despite all of that, young people still are fighting to make the world a better place. Even the world that any country that has filled them repeatedly they're still fighting to make it better because they believe that fundamentally this generation can fix it and make sure that the people who come after us don't have to go through everything that we have. And that spirit is not something that you defeat. That is not something that you lose. That is something that not only wins elections, but fundamentally reshapes the way a the country and the world thinks. And I deal with these people every day. I see them at school. I work with them. Uh, They're my friends. They're my classmates. And they are simply a force to be reckoned with. And the sooner that our politicians realize that, the sooner that everything will start to become better. All right, next up is... The Brilliant Corners Executive Director, pollster, and strategist. You've seen him on MSNBC a lot. Our friend Cornell Belcher. I had to include him because in a sea of bad pundit takes leading up into this uh, midterm election, Cornell was always steady, was calling out those takes, was um, – you know, confronting the the bad information and um, and was always a voice for reason. One of my favorite voices in this space, and uh, and just people in general. He's just an all around great guy. We had a, a full conversation about what was going on in the week, so we we were kind of talking about some more specific stuff leading up to the election that led into his reason for hope. But let's hear what that is now. It's not even partisan. It's not. It's not about left versus right. It's about it's about 
preserving our democracy and preserving our rights and freedoms or authoritarianism and division and chaos and danger and violence. Um, you know, it, I think it, it gives a fairly clear cut choice going into November. You know, do you want democracy and do you want freedoms uh, and do you want to try, to try to sort of bring Americans together and have unity or do you want more corruption and, and chaos and more division, more hatred and and sort of the will of the American people being thrown out. Uh, I, you know, I, I have faith in the American people that if that's the choice, the vast majority of the American people are going to choose democracy and freedom and not nationalism and authoritarianism. And one last thing, if I could say, yeah. is really I, I have hope in women. Mm. Um, and I know I'm a, I know I'm a man, but I've sat in folks groups enough and listen to um, women and men enough to understand that 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 we're going to be a better country when 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 there's more women in office and running things, and a lot of this male toxic bullshit mm-hmm. is curbed. And I think we're going to see the year of the ticked off woman, and women are going to take this country by storm. And I think democracy is going to be safer because of it. The next person that I wanted to showcase, uh, it was such an honor to have Senator Cortez Masto, uh, the newly reelected senator from Nevada, uh, on our show. And we know how tight that race was. And I'm going to say it was the How We Win bump that put her over the top. Let's just, let's just call it the How We Win bump that made sure she stayed in that seat. And because of all the work that we did to make sure she did stay in that seat, we have 51 senators right now um, and have that majority, that solid majority, that true majority, not just 50, but 51. And, um, and she's really inspiring, an amazing senator. Um, and uh, let's hear what was giving her hope when we spoke with her. You know what? What gives me hope are the people that I meet in uh, my state. You know, I was um, at a, um, I was uh, at an event talking with some of our uh, Nevadans and a young boy came up to me. Uh, his mother brought him. He wanted to come to meet me because he wanted to come and support me. Um, and I will never forget that because it shows me that our children are paying attention, rightfully so. Hmm. And we have to get it right for them. They give me hope for the future because so many of them um, are engaged and they want us to do right by them, right? Address the climate crisis, make sure we're reducing our carbon footprint, protecting our future, uh, leaning into the clean energy, addressing the challenges that we face in this uh, country um, because we need to make sure we're leaving it better off for them and not worse. Um, And that's why... Uh, to me, as I get around and talk to Nevadans, they're the ones that give me hope because they still believe, and I do too, that we can get this right. From one of our favorite senators to one of our absolutely favorite representatives, 
I caught up with Representative Adam Schiff at a march against gun violence in his hometown of Burbank, and um, it was great to see him. He was there just among his people and constituents showing his support and and walking with us, and so I, I got to ask him a few questions uh, while we were walking and marching together, and uh, here's what he had. Well, we talked a lot about January 6th commission and all that, of course. Um, here's what he had to say when I asked him what was giving him hope. Uh, we're a deeply resilient country. We've been through other crises in the past, uh, and we've gotten through them, and this too shall pass. But what we do in this moment will determine how quickly it passes and how much damage we have to suffer along the way. Uh, so everyone needs to be engaged. They can be engaged like we are today in a march. They can be engaged in calling and writing their elected representatives. Um, they can make their voice heard. Everyone has the power to influence circumstances around them. None of us are powerless. And right now we all need to figure out what role we can play in the preservation of our democracy. I'm going to finish off with two legendary organizers, legendary leaders uh, in, in the progressive space, and, uh, and the, the two people who basically wrote the textbook on how we organize campaigns and movements. So first off, I want you to hear from Heather Booth. Uh, there's been a movie made about her and her organizing. Uh, she's a absolute icon for social justice and civil rights. And here's what was giving Heather Booth hope. First of all, as an attitude, I have the perspective, I actually have a quote on my desk from an Antonio Gramsci who was arrested by the fascists in World War II and from prison. He wrote that a, something we should have is pessimism of the intellect and optimism of the will. Hmm. So a pessimism of the intellect that says, okay, let's evaluate what could go wrong. How will we prepare for it? What is our plan B? So we're not naive or foolish. And we look at the data, what worked and what didn't. But optimism of the will my God, we will drive forward. We will do this. And we will do this together. Alone, I often feel confused and frightened and not clear I can go on or not knowing exactly what to do. But together, I find we do figure out a way forward. And when we work together, when we organize, we have changed this world. And when we organize now, we will change this world for the better. And if you didn't think Heather Booth was inspiring enough, uh, I want to finish off with the words from one of our personal heroes, all of our heroes, the great Dolores Huerta, who is still going at it in her 90s, showing up at campaign events and making her voice heard, organizing like she has her entire life. Uh, of course, there's a great documentary about her, too. Um, 
let's just, without any further ado, hear what was giving Dolores Huerta hope. Well, I think everything that we're seeing around us, we see our young people that are marching out there uh, against gun violence. Uh, we see, uh, again, people marching against uh, global warming, you know, to try to save our planet. Uh, the women have been out there marching because their reproductive rights have been taken away from them uh, by the Supreme Court, the Republican Supreme Court uh, of the United States of America. And uh, we've seen labor unions that are, uh, you know, all of a sudden we see people at Starbucks, people at Amazon, uh, everybody's saying, hey, we need representation. We need a union. So we need representation on the job, but we also need representation on our school boards, our city councils, our boards of supervisors, and of course in the U.S. Congress. Very exciting moment. I have a lot of young people that say to me, I wish I would have been born in the 60s, you know, uh, to be part of those movements. Hey, guess what? We are back. Right now, you're we're, here. <laughs> yeah, this movement, we're on steroids, okay? Mm -hmm. It's the 60s on steroids. So. Uh, we are in a really critical critical moment because we have an awakening but we also have a reckoning okay so this is a time now in this moment in time that we can change so many things but we know that the only way it's going to happen is all, if all of us commit and become activists and especially get out there and vote get your family to vote your neighbors your relatives and i like to say even your exes okay <laughs> recruit them to come out and help we got to go out there knock on the doors we got to hit the telephones and do the phone banking and this is how we win because we know that we the people of the united states who believe in justice social justice economic justice racial justice you know gender justice that we are the majority but if we sit at home and don't get out there and do the work we're going to lose so this is a this is a moment this is our time our time to act yes we can si se puede Thank you all so much. I hope you were inspired by what you heard. I certainly was. This is the great privilege that I have to be able to speak to all of these incredible people and hear their words of wisdom, hear their uh, experience in organizing, and mostly hear what is giving them hope and inspiration to move forward. Uh, that's what we will all continue to do in the new year. We are going to move forward and uh, you know, can't stop, won't stop. So I hope you'll stick with us and keep working to make a, a better, stronger democracy and protect our freedoms together. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com. We're going to take a break next week for the holiday and the new year. And then we will be back, like I said, and better than ever because we still have a lot of work to do. So happy holidays. I hope you have a great one. And we will see you in the new year.